1: What's wrong I got nothing for you What, what what's wrong you? <laughs> that was so good what's going
0: on everyone and welcome to the reformatory the podcast for the local church and by the local church and we are your local churchmen Uh, we're not your regular local churchmen as uh, i have said Uh, as many of you know uh, our regular host jack is uh, on paternity leave he's having his first kid which means that he's going through boot camp all over again uh, he's getting no sleep. He's going to be up early and he's going to have someone screaming at him all hours of the night. So uh, our hearts and minds go out to Jack. Um, but in the meantime, we have pulled together, I, I want to say, an A-team of, of guests to, to cover for Jack, uh, and I'm super excited about this month because you guys get to hear from a whole bunch of different folks uh, and and uh, and some amazing, amazing interviews, some amazing topics, amazing guests, and today is absolutely no exception. Today we have in the house Mr. Justin Perdue from Theocast, uh, and Justin, let me just say off the bat, man, uh, super excited
1: to have you here. Really appreciate you hopping on the pod with me, my guy. Josh, pleasure to be here, man. I might question your A-team, how, how you set that bar. I don't know if I meet that standard or not, but happy to get on here and talk with you about local church and resting in Jesus and all those kinds of things, man. Yeah, so appreciate yeah I'm invite. really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, Oh, uh, it's, it's my pleasure, my man, my pleasure. Yeah. So, Justin, before we hop into our topic today, man, uh, why don't you... Give our listeners just a little bit about you. Tell them who you are, what you do. Uh, hype up your your local church, man. Tell us what you love about it. I'm going to throw that over sure. to you kind of before we hop into topic.
1: Great. Yeah, my name is Justin Perdue, as you mentioned. And you mentioned Theocast. I can briefly say that's a podcast mm-hmm. that I've been involved with for four years. Do it with a good friend and another pastor named John Moffat, And uh, mm-hmm. thankful for how the Lord has blessed that and we're encouraged by the fact that people have been helped by a simple message, man, of the sufficiency of Christ to save miserable offenders like you and me and like everybody listening yeah. to this pod. So we can talk more about Theocast maybe at some point, and I know we're going to maybe talk about resting in Jesus, so I'll, I'll put a pin in that. More personal stuff, I'm married to Michelle. We've been married going on 11 years, and we have four kids. Thankful for them, two boys, two girls. Um, things are always hopping in the Purdue house. And we're glad for that. (laughs) I live in Asheville, North Carolina. So that's in the western part of the state in the mountains. And it's a pretty like progressive, hipster growing city. So you're out in the Pacific Northwest, man. It's kind of like Portland, Oregon got dropped off in the mountains of North Carolina. Oh, that's the. Hopefully without the riots and the the uh, place and and the meth. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of maybe (laughs) smaller riots. And then there's definitely a big drug scene here. So, uh, all all that. Mm -hmm. Portlandia, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely got that feel. You know, the Portlandia sketch mm-hmm. where um, there's like the couple at the restaurant and they're looking with disdain at this other party <laughs> that has a dog like tied to the to the yes. table. And they're just outraged. Mm-hmm. How could you tie and tether such a beautiful animal, such a, you know, dignified creature? How could you treat this dog this way? And go on and on and on about it, and then they leave the restaurant and walk down the sidewalk, and their kid is tied to the telephone pole down at the corner of the block. And it's like, (laughs) that's Asheville, man. It really is. That's the feel of the place where I live. It's a good place to do gospel ministry. Anyway, my my day job, though, I mean, we've talked about Theocast a little bit, my day job, and the thing Mm -hmm. that is far more important than any podcast ministry I've ever been a part of. I'm the lead pastor of Covenant Baptist Church. Our church is going on eight years old. I was one of the elders when we... Constituted and chartered the church back in late 2015. I was one of the two elders that uh, were, were founding elders of the church and uh, have been the main preaching pastor throughout that period of time. And I'm very thankful for our congregation. I'm encouraged by the ways the Lord has grown it, not just in number, but in health and the, the sweetness of the people. There's a collective sense of our need of Christ that's really knitted our hearts together. And uh, there's no church I would rather be a part of, no, no people I'd rather preach the gospel to and uh, very thankful, just as the Lord has continued to raise up more guys to serve as elders. That's been cool. Uh, just a really sweet mm. sweet culture amongst the eldership, very safe, love those men, feel loved by them. Uh, I feel very safe as a pastor and as a member of our congregation, and I don't take that for granted, because I don't know that a lot of pastors would say that, that they feel um, safe and like I can live an honest, transparent life in front of my people, and I'm not living in fear of their, their judgment or their assessments of me. They know that I'm a sinner who's trusting in the righteousness of Christ just like them. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to talk any more about it in a way that would be helpful or answer, answer specific questions. But uh, Covenant Baptist Church, going on eight years, man. And um, I wouldn't want to do the church planting years again. I'll be honest about that. Just some of that was circumstantial. Sure. We were having babies and planting a church. Finances are tight. There's a lot going on. The early years, you know, you put your head down and you preach Jesus and love the people and you hope something sticks to the wall, right? And you're you're kind of lifting your head up occasionally from the work you're doing and assessing how it's going. And, you know, we hit benchmarks two years, three years in. It's like, hey, this thing might work. Uh, five years in, it's like, ah, this is good. And it seems like the Lord is doing something. And here we are seven or eight years in, and, and I'm overwhelmed with thankfulness for for where we yeah. are. Yeah. So.
0: Uh-huh. That's that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, I have I've had I've had the blessing of being being able to be a part of a couple church plans, and there's it is it is a very unique beast for sure. In that it's it it, is. it, it comes with some very very unique challenges and unique and 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 unique joys because like there are there is there oh, is a very sure. unique you know experience of seeing something grow from the ground up and seeing brothers and sisters, you know, hopping in and serving, you know, committing to one another, committing to the mission of the church. Um, when, when, when you can see that, and that's something that happens successfully, obviously by, you know, by, by God's blessing, nothing beats it nothing beats it, man. It is just, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to see. Um, and I, I've got a, I've got a big heart for church planting. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. my background has, has some things to do with that, but, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whenever I hear of a successful church plant, you know, the church that I'm going to right now is a church plant and I love it dearly, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's all the weird things
1: you got to deal with and all the really awesome, cool things
0: that you get to experience. And it's great. (laughs)
1: No, it's true. One of the things we would say often, and I know that's not the point of what we're talking about today, but you have to forego good things for a season to be a part of a church plant. Mm. You know, you gotta... Yeah. It, it re- requires a certain kind of person, and it's not that mm. the people who don't want to be involved in a church plant are less than, that's not at all what I mean, but you have to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices and forego things that are really good for years, potentially in order to be a part of a new Mm. work. And I'm thankful to God for the saints that see that, that enter into that situation with eyes wide open and embrace it and lean into it. People like that Mm. are worth their weight in gold. They really are. And they're a tremendous encouragement in the midst of, like you said, it's a joyful thing, and it's also really, really hard work. And I think that the Mm. city I live in, bro, is a very sexy place. Like, it's a destination place to come plant a church. And the failure yeah. rate is off the charts in terms of the number of yeah. people that have come and attempted to plant churches here in the last 15 years. There's only a few over a 15-year span of time, like our church included, that have made it. And uh, mm-hmm. like you said, when, the, when a church plant is successful, that's evidence of the Lord's grace and kindness to a congregation. And um, if we've done anything by way of faithfulness, it's just we have sought to preach Christ and Him crucified, and we have aimed yeah. to... To yeah. do things intentionally as a local body and create a, a culture where it means something to be a part of it. But a lot of people do that and the doors close. And so I'm thankful for the way the Lord has seen yeah. fit to bless what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's and that's an encouragement to me, yeah. man. Like I love hearing one of my favorite things about having guests on and things like that is hearing about their churches, hearing what they love about their churches. Um, I just I think I think the more that we can immerse ourselves in those good stories because there's a lot of bad stories uh, for sure. and I think well bro we live in an hurt, age where right? the bad stories I mean- are the only ones that we hear.
1: Well, sure. I mean, Christian Twitter is a beatdown. I mean, I said that to you. We were acknowledging yeah. that to one another before, before we got on here, right? Okay. I mean, um, that's true. People are worked up about everything in our day. I, I, I'm sure that's always been the case, but social media and instant access to what's going on in all kinds of places has not always been the norm in the course of human history. And so it's very easy to be distracted and discouraged. And we all have been hurt in the church. Let's be real. Uh, we've all got some mm-hmm. scar tissue. We've mm-hmm. been burned because the church is comprised of sinners. And so Mm. it's sweet, though, when you do hear the good stories and you hear of all the things that the Lord is doing and how even in the midst of living with other sinners and sometimes we hurt one another, there is forgiveness, there's reconciliation, we continue to lock arms together and walk in Christ and love one another and bear with one another. Those things are really sweet when uh, you hear about them and when you experience them.
0: That's 100% right, man, and and I think that's a a fantastic segue into kind of what we're talking about in this this whole, you know, something I appreciate about about you and John is your guys' emphasis on resting in the righteousness of Christ. It's something that yeah, is yeah. A, a common current that goes through pretty much every topic you guys talk about, and everything is brought back to the gospel and how Christ is our perfect advocate. He is our sufficiency, and Amen. that the gospel is truly uh, about clinging to His righteousness and uh, throwing aside any that you think you bring to the table, right? And I can't think of any Amen. any place where people, I think, attempt to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps more than in the context of the local church. And I'm talking from experience, <laughs> um, yeah. Because I think so many, so much of the experiences that people have, you know, those even those things that you're talking about is. So many people these days are coming into the doors of the local church on Sunday morning with so much baggage, and some of the baggage uh, is not not due to them. Some of the baggage is due to them, uh, and and then and then everything in between, right? And there's this, I think there's just this pervasive thought. I know definitely in the PNW up here, of church simply just kind of being one piece of the compartment of your life that you just kind of tack on um, instead of yeah. what we try to encourage in the reformatory. And what I've heard you guys encourage too, like the local church is, is vital. It's essential. It needs to be part of who yeah. you are uh, and not just a, yeah. another compartment on there. And I'm curious as just kind of an offshoot question. Do you guys experience that type of mentality in down there in in the Carolinas like we do up, up in the PNW where church is either something that people don't want to do at all or it's something that's very very compartmentalized and just and just almost an app that that you put on your spiritual phone.
1: Yeah, I mean so I'll answer the first part briefly. I mean I think there are probably some similarities in the area I live in specifically and the Pacific Northwest, as I already alluded to, in terms of the culture. Our Mm. our cultural context here is you get that kind of secular, progressive, hipster stuff, just using the the Mm. buzzwords everybody knows, and you mash that up with Appalachia as you get outside of the city. And so it's a very strange – it's a very strange collision of worlds in some ways. Um, You get a little bit of the – the kind of hokey, Arminian-ish, semi-Pelagian-type church stuff out in the sticks. You know? And then in the city, you've got mm-hmm. a lot of liberal stuff in terms of the mainline churches. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a few solid works, a uh, couple good Presbyterian churches, our church. And then there's an A29 church downtown doing pretty well. So there's a few. you know, And, and most of the ones that are doing well are mm-hmm. more of the confessional or Reformed ilk. Uh, so having said that, the thing I really want to pick up on, though, is what you said about how people view church— as sort of a supplement Mm -hmm. or something I kind of tack on to my Christian life or something. And I think that's pervasive everywhere. I think that in American Christianity, Western Christianity as we know it, it's how we think naturally in the States anyway, Mm -hmm. this kind of individualism and and all of that. And then I think the church has kind of doubled down on it, the church culture that most of us have Mm -hmm. cut our teeth in it's very American in terms of its individualism and really what we think implicitly anyway and then what's sometimes explicitly taught or implied from the pulpit from the front is that, you know, my personal relationship with Jesus is what matters. My own experience of the divine is what matters. My subjective responses to what God has done are the most important things. My personal fervor, commitment, discipline, rigor, those are the things that are really going to carry the day for me as a Christian. And so what I need to do is strengthen myself, and my private devotional life is what's going to make me useful in a corporate setting. My private devotional life really is what is going to win the thing over the course of my lifetime. And what we Mm. would want to say, what I would want to say to that is that I think the inverse is true biblically. The Christian life is inherently corporate, and Christian Mm -hmm. devotion is inherently church-shaped as you read the New Testament. And so the the church is the way that we were meant by God to live the Christian life in the context of a local Mm -hmm. church with brothers and sisters in the faith, with pastors who will watch over us and who will preach Christ to us, uh, with a healthy church environment where it means something to be a part of it, and where we're going to take ownership in terms of watching over one another, because Satan is real, and indwelling sin is real. And so we are weak, we're pilgrims, we're sojourners, we're exiles in this world. We've been promised a homeland, we're not there yet, you know? And so between here and there, there's thousands of spiritual dangers and temptation on every side, and so we need nourishment and sustenance and protection, and that's what the ministry of the local church is meant to provide. And so having said that, The way that the Church nourishes the saints—I'm going to use a term and then try to define it—we would understand historically that Christians are not only granted faith by God, not only is faith imparted by God through the preaching of Christ, but then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is nourished and sustained and strengthened through the -hmm. ordinary means of grace, which is primarily the preaching of the Word of Christ and the administration of the sacraments those being baptism Mm -hmm. and the Lord's Supper. And these things occur in the context of the gathered church. And so what we say often is that instead of your individual private life driving your corporate experience, it's actually the opposite, that your corporate Mm -hmm. Christian life in the church will drive your private life. And you Mm -hmm. will be sustained, you'll be nourished, you'll be strengthened, you will grow in the faith over the course of years and decades through being involved in the church, through receiving Christ in the ministry of the Word on Sunday week over week, through receiving Christ by faith in the sacraments week over week, by living life in the fellowship of the saints. That is how the Lord is going to do his thing in your life over the course of the long haul. And... The corporate experience and the corporate life you live is what will drive your private trusting of Christ and walking after him. And I think that's just yeah. so opposite of what we assume, and, what with, and it's opposite of what many of us have been taught in the American church. So it sounds insane to the modern American Christian ear, and we're just going to keep saying it. It's so old it sounds new, you know, and so we're just going to keep mm-hmm. saying it until it is normalized. Let's make these things great again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a hundred percent right, man. Yeah. I can co-sign on that just without reservation. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because I knew that that I knew whatever we were talking about, it was, is going to have that, that focus. And I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I think it is, it is foreign to us. It is something that doesn't come naturally. Right. And I think, I think that's the piece that, uh, that often is not explained I don't want to say correctly, but, but explained enough is that our natural Mm -hmm. inclination, our natural bent is going to be this pull yourself up by your bootstrap mentality. We see it. We see it in the garden at the very beginning, right? What did Adam and Eve do? They made for themselves their covering, right? Right. Like from, Mm -hmm. from the very inception when sin first happened, we see the natural inclination to hide and do it yourself. Right, so it's ingrained in who we are, right? And I think so many individuals, and I know myself included, um, have been raised with this understanding of sanctification. Mm. Even though we will we will agree, and we have been taught justification by faith alone, right? But we have at least practically this understanding of this theology that justification is by faith alone, but somehow sanctification is then synergistic, and it paints this picture of God as justifying you, being the one to call you, redeem you, cleanse you. And now he's like, okay, your turn. <laughs> and now I'm going to yeah. throw you out as, and I'm going to, yeah.
1: yeah, As though Jesus, when he was taking his last breath said, instead of it, it's finished. You know, he says, tag, you're it, you know? Like I've done yeah, exactly, my part, now you exactly. do yours. Right. And so <laughs> He now says no, I, he now but, says it is possible. So, <laughs> that's right. And it's uh and kind of gives you a pat on the backside and it's like, all right, now go out there and don't disappoint me, you know. And mm, uh yeah. yeah, it's it's true, man. I think I mean really quickly, you use the word synergistic. I assume that the audience knows what that means. Um yes, monergism and synergism. About one it. worker, yeah. multiple workers. Okay, great. Uh so mm. Man, this is depending on how you define terms, we could get a lot of bullets flying our direction, right? So, hey, justification is monergistic let's put, let's put meaning. The glasses on. <laughs> God is the Savior. Let's do it. God is the Savior, right? I mean, God is the one who justifies. So, mm-hmm. our righteousness is not our own, it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ counted to us. It is not that we are yeah. infused with righteousness. It's that God accounts us and accepts us as righteous based upon the work of Christ alone. And we don't do mm-hmm. anything in order to attain or achieve that righteousness. We simply receive it by faith. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's his active obedience to the whole law. like He kept every precept of the law. He did it perfectly. And it's the fact that he died to fulfill the law's penalty. And so he endured its curse in our place. And so he did everything necessary for us to be reconciled to God and to be found righteous in God's sight, and then we received that by Mm -hmm. faith. That's justification. And we preach that, we herald that from the rooftops, man. And it's incredible how if you rightly preach the law in its standard of holiness, and then you preach a whole Christ, not just, well, he died for your sins, not just he did all these things so that you might be saved, but you preach a whole Christ, meaning he kept the law, and he kept or he kept in terms of its precepts and its commands, but he also fulfilled its penalty, and he has done everything necessary. Where every, In every way Adam failed, he has succeeded, and when you trust mm-hmm. him, you are united to him by faith, and everything that's his is yours. You now become a co-heir with him, you will be raised incorruptible and imperishable because this was the plan of God from all of eternity, that the Son of God would inherit a people who will live with him in a new heavens and a new earth. And so that's the message we preach. Wrapped up in that, you want to talk about sanctification for a minute, this is what freaks people out, is when you say, and you implied it already, that sanctification, if we're going to define our terms precisely, is also a work of God. And. We participate in our sanctification by virtue of the fact that we're alive. So, Josh, you and I participate in life on earth by virtue of the fact that we're alive. Dead people Mm -hmm. don't participate in life on earth, right? But same can be true, or same is true, same can be said, I should say, about our Christian life. By virtue of the fact that we have been made alive together with Christ, yes, we participate in this, but we do not do the work of sanctification. Only the Lord Mm -hmm. does that. And it yep. is via our yep. union with Christ that we are sanctified. And so if you may if you'll let me for just a second, I'm preaching mm-hmm. through the book of Romans right now. And so I recently preached Romans chapter six. And mm. Romans six: one and following is incredibly instructive for us when it comes to sanctification. And you want to talk about resting in Jesus unto righteousness, resting in Christ in the context of the local church. Not only when we preach him the way that we've just talked about for justification, but then when it comes to sanctification, Paul anticipates an objection, right? Because at the end of Romans 5, he's been talking about the imputation of Christ's righteousness, that we were imputed, we were counted with Adam's guilt, right? We inherited Mm -hmm. Adam's corruption. In the same way that Adam's guilt is counted to us and Adam's sin is counted to us, the righteousness of Christ, the free gift of righteousness is counted to us through faith in Jesus, and where right. sin abounded grace abounded all the more so that we might reign yep. in grace eternally right and have life through Christ so then paul says okay yep. well should we just sin then if where sin abounds grace abounds all the more should we just sin so that grace right. might abound he says yeah. by no means but notice no how means. he responds he doesn't say he doesn't say by no means here is what the law says he doesn't say by no means If you are a serious Christian and want to prove yourself to not be a faker, here is how you'll conduct yourself. He says, by no means, for we have been united to Christ. You've been baptized into Jesus, right? So you've been justified from sin's guilt. You've been set free from sin's guilt. And then you've also been set free from sin's dominion. You've now become obedient from the heart. And oh, by the way, when you were sinning, what did it do for you? didn't do anything good for you. Right? And so we talk yeah. about sanctification that way. We are sanctified via union with Christ by faith and our sanctification this sounds blasphemous in the minds of many people. Our sanctification Josh is certain. Like it mm-hmm. is not in question. We will be yeah, sanctified well, because we've been united to Christ.
0: Well, one of the one of the verses that the Lord used to bring that because when I was coming into what I would say the this doctor is a correct understanding of the gospel. It's a correct understanding uh, of imputed righteousness and progressive sanctific- and, 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 and sanctification. One of mm-hmm. the verses that that hammered that in my head was Philippians one six, when Paul's saying that I am oh, yeah. confident, sure that the one. The the, the one who who began the work in you, well, what? He will bring it to completion. It's not, you will bring it to completion, right? So when I first started coming to this understanding, it's like, well, my goodness, then, my motivation for striving, Mm -hmm. my motivation for working— has been completely off Yeah. because this entire time I have been viewing, I've been viewing God's love for me, God's favor with me, God being proud of me, God, God Mm -hmm. enjoying being around me, you know, know, all, all these things that come to our head. I link that directly to my works and I see a direct link between how God views me equals how hard I work. And it's, and, it, and, and when you have that understanding, it creates an unbiblical and, frankly, a massive, burdenous uh, mentality oh, and motivation for, for working. Sure.
1: For sure. So when we do good works and the fruit of the Spirit is born out in our lives, that's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And we walk mm-hmm. in the good works that the Lord has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Ephesians Mm -hmm. 2.10, right? Those are all great things, and we can. So Mm. my church subscribes to the Second London Confession. And so chapter 16 on good works is a really good chapter. And in that chapter, it's very clear that we can have our assurance of salvation bolstered by good works, but we never look to them as the ground of our standing before God. And that's where I think a lot of times we go wrong in the Church today. And I think this has always been the case. I mean, if you read the Reformers, if you read even men before the Reformation, and if you read anything over the last several hundred years from guys that, that you and I, Josh, would both appreciate, whether it is the Reformers themselves or some of the better Puritans or like the Marrow Brethren, like the Marrow Controversy, the Church of Scotland mm-hmm. in the 1800s, yeah. etc., you're going to get guys saying really good things about this stuff. Read Horatius Bonner. You know, I mean, we so tend... To look to good works as the evidence, the ground of the fact that we're justified. that it's mm-hmm. a burden that we frankly just cannot bear. How do I know yep. that I'm justified at the at the end of the day, brother? The question is one question. do you, do you trust Christ? Like are you are you trusting yeah. yourself? or you trusting yep. him? Do you look to Jesus for your righteousness? Because yep. dear sinner, if you in faith have looked to Christ, and you have acknowledged, like, I cannot do what the law requires, and I deserve condemnation, and I am looking to Christ who kept the law for me and who died on the cross for my sins and who got up and kicked death in the teeth and conquered the evil one, and I'm looking to Him alone, Yeah. then you are justified, and if you are justified, you will be glorified. That's the clear message. Present justification means final salvation. So if you ever—just a brief word yeah. to your listeners—if you ever hear people mm-hmm. pull those two things apart as though you might be presently justified and you might not be finally saved, run away. Whenever you yeah. hear people talking yep, about, absolutely. like, final justification, that is—that's just a an old error called neo-nomianism repackaged, right, yeah. where you yeah. are yeah. now going to live in a way where you're going you're gonna to live well enough that you would somehow contribute that you somehow will be finally saved and acquire possession of eternal life through faith in Christ and your law-keeping. And that is not the gospel. So all this to say, man, I think that a robust understanding of a whole Christ for justification, sanctification, and eternal life, by virtue, if I dare say, by virtue of the covenant of grace, right? Not by merit, not by works received completely mm-hmm. by faith, that does wonders in a local church. And it oh, yeah. knits hearts together. And it mm-hmm. fosters, here we go, it fosters sanctification, real sanctification. Yeah. When people know where their righteousness comes from and we're not trying to parade our own righteousness around all the time because we're so yeah. like afraid that that if I don't do that, then I'm gonna be seen as a faker. It's amazing right. how people start confessing sins and living together. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent right, man. Yeah, and it affects it affects the closeness that you have with people, right? So my my background is primarily sure. in in biblical counseling, and it's something that that mm. that I deal with a lot, especially in the soul care of our of of our congregants. Is you see often the weight that people are carrying because of an incorrect view of sanctification or the gospel, sure. and it's just slightly tweaked, right? And and one of the one of the greatest mm. joys that I have and one of the ways that i i get to see the gospel go forth into the lives of my people it, it, in one of the most clear ways is reminding them of that truth that it's the same strong arms that saved you that are carrying amen. you into the throne room of grace that are presenting you spotless to his father and with that in you when you go amen. into that throne room you do so with confidence not in yourself but in the one who leads you and i and i i try to amen try to paint this picture right is is look at the amazing sovereignty and providence of god to have this to this happen in 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 the gospels right and when when we see peter walking on the water right and he's overwhelmed by the by the wind and by the waves right and w- when he begins to sink the moment he begins to sink corresponds with the moment that he takes his eyes off of jesus right mm-hmm. As he gets out of the boat, as he's looking at Christ, he's on sure ground. He's walking strong. And the minute he begins to look around him, the minute he begins to, 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 to think internally and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, that's when we begin to sink. And when we have a correct understanding of the strength of the carpenter of Nazareth that lacks no strength, that never will lack strength, we can take that, that understanding, apply it to ourselves... And then give that same grace to our brothers and sisters and say, look, of course we fail. Of course we fall. That is the whole point of the gospel. So cling to the cross of Christ, cling to his righteousness, and we walk forward together. And the unity that comes from that correct understanding, that resting in Christ, cannot be accomplished in
1: any other facet in the local church. No, amen. I know we're running out of time, but just a few comments here, man, on this. Uh, Hebrews 12, you know, one and two Mm. is a great text regarding what you just said. That how how do we live the Christian life? You know, we're going to set aside all the things that entangle, you know, sin that so easily entangles. We're going to put weight, we're going to set aside the weight that we tend to carry around and we're going to run. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do it looking to Jesus, who is the author Mm. and the perfecter, right, of our faith. And yeah. You know, man, I think that's that's the, the ticket where we encourage people that we are always looking to Christ. We're always looking outside of ourselves to Jesus for our righteousness, for our forgiveness, and for our eternal life. We're looking outside mm-hmm. of ourselves to Christ, even for sanctification. Because it's like if we lament, Josh, a lack of repentance in our, that we see in ourselves, if we lament a lack of mm-hmm. obedience or a lack of fruit, a lack of good works, where in the world do we think mm-hmm. we're going to get the power and the grace for those things in the first place. We're not going to get that, we're not going to get repentance. We're not going to find grace and strength looking within. We're going to find it by looking mm-hmm. to Christ who's the source of all of these things. And so we encourage Absolutely. one another in this. And of course, this is true. Like our faith is often weak. Oh. Praise the yeah. Lord that it's not our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith <laughs> who saves. You know, we it's right. not our hold of Christ, it's his hold of us. It's not our joy in the Lord Jesus. It's Christ. You know, these are the things that we Mm -hmm. continue to say to one another and encourage one another with them uh, because this is what it looks like to live the Christian life. Last thing I'll say. Yeah. Just anecdotally, I was having a conversation with a brother from our local church one time, and he was lamenting the weakness of his own faith. And Mm -hmm. he said to me, We were sitting on the tailgate of my truck having a drink together. And he says, You know, JP, I'm just like, I'm struggling and I feel, I feel like such a, a, just a fraud and a joke of a Christian. And, um, I just don't have strong faith, man. He's like, I feel like my faith is propped up by all of the people around me. And I said, bro, you speak better than you even know. Like you're lamenting Mm -hmm. this. And it's like, what do you think the local church is for? Like we lean on one another and Of course, we have personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's true, but so often our brothers and sisters around us are pointing us to Christ because our faith is so often weak, our love is Mm. so often low, and our joy ebbs and flows, and our confidence is that God never changes and Christ has us, but then we are encouraged and helped in the Christian life by the brothers and sisters around us. And when we have a collective sense of our need of Christ like that in the local church and our song yeah. is constantly it's Christ for us. And that's what we say to one another on a regular basis. We've got a chance. You know, and the Lord is good and faithful and works through the church in those ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely man. Amen. What a what a word to end on. What a word to end on. Well, my camera's given out so I think I was just talking to I was talking yeah. to a
1: blank screen and I just was like, I'm gonna push on through this. And And,
0: uh, and just push on push on through. Push on through. There's not much difference between my face and a blank screen anyway, so we're okay. Well brother, we're gonna we're Um, gonna persevere. (laughs) In the (laughs) face and in the podcast. Absolutely. Hey man Before we get out of here, man, why don't you tell our listeners uh, where they can find you. Tell them where they can find Theocast if anyone uh, hasn't heard of you guys. Just want to roll the red carpet out for you before we close Oh, man,
1: so kind of you. I don't know that we need the red carpet, but (laughs) Theocast, like theology and podcast put together. So Theocast, you can find it on any platform where you listen to podcasts. If you search for it, it'll pop up pretty quickly, I think. You can also, all of our episodes are on YouTube as well. Uh, so you can get the video version if you want to look at our mugs while we're talking you can Um, that's up to you you. and then as far as me personally um, I mean my sermons are available online on podcast feed Covenant Baptist Church Sermon Audio you can find it there you can also find anything you want with our local church's website covbap.org C-O-V-B-A-P dot O-R-G and you can find me on Twitter just look up my name it's like Justin underscore Purdue or something like that so I think that's all the deets man um there we go. We'll let the people avail themselves Love of it it. as they will. Yep.
0: All right, well, really appreciate it, man. Uh, listeners, you know what you can do? You can head on to all the socials. We are on all of them at Reformatory Pod. Drop us a line. we You're really love all of hearing them. from you. Um, we're on all of them, all of them. Sadly, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and you can, uh, if you guys haven't yet subscribed, head on over to Patreon. That's where Justin and I are heading right now, and we're gonna get Justin unplugged. We're gonna we're gonna get him loose. We're gonna get him oh, talking. Yeah. We're gonna get that filter down. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into some trouble. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not too much trouble, but that's all happening over. Over on Patreon and for a $5 uh-huh. holla you could give us some support and uh, head on over there it would be greatly appreciated so for Justin a gift of massive thanks $5. to you yes yeah. a love gift we call it a love gift yeah okay. exactly love yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's exactly right yeah we appreciate Wonderful. you being on the pod with us Justin man thank you so much
1: enjoyed it Josh thanks man
0: awesome awesome alright listeners we thank you all for listening we will catch you on the next step of the reformatory